Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited to have Dr. Ailsa Kerr join us today from the UK. Now, Dr. Ailsa is qualified from Leeds University in the UK in 1989. And following GP training, she worked as an NHS GP in Huddersfield for over 20 years. Now, following some personal health problems, which conventional medicine failed to solve, she sought some medical advice from a practitioner who used a root cause approach similar to functional medicine. The resolution of her health issues led her to seek training in this approach. And since then, she has completed training with both the Institute of Functional Medicine and the British Society of Ecological Medicine. So welcome, Ailsa. Thank you. And thank you for asking me to to come along today. So I'm really excited to have you because I'm sure my listeners would love to hear that we're going to talk about menopause. And it's something that a topic that I haven't really talked about on my Six Hats podcast. So let's actually start, Elsa. What are women experiencing when it comes to menopause? How is it affecting their daily life? So it's not always as you think. So back when I was a GP, it was very much asking questions around hot flushes and night sweats. But as as we'll talk about a project that I'm involved with in the community later, these ladies always fill in a, a symptom questionnaire before they come along to the first session. And so I can see the sort of things that people are struggling with. And there is so much around mental health, stress resilience, brain fog, fatigue, which actually HRT doesn't have a license to treat. Insomnia, that's another big one. And it's not necessarily night sweats that are affecting the sleep. It can be just waking up at three o'clock in the morning, feeling anxious for no apparent reason. Wow. Yeah, not quite as you would think. Absolutely, because I remember in the GP training when we were talking about HRT, you literally listed it. HRT, you know, hormone replacement or menopause, we're thinking hot flushes, night sweats, and perhaps we talk about weight gain. But how often do we approach anxiety, insomnia? And you're absolutely right, because this is what women are actually struggling with, and that's what they're seeking help. And it's seeking help during perimenopause, and sometimes we don't link the two. So in your experience, Elsa, because I know you've got a lot of experience with menopause, how can we approach it holistically? Like what are the key strategies that you, you've found through functional medicine that can really help women? So the place that I always start is looking at those modifiable lifestyle factors because with approaching any case really in functional medicine, we always like to make sure those roots or foundations for good health are strong. And then really talking to the ladies about how we can't just focus on the sex hormones. We also have to consider all of the other hormones that all they all interact together. And maybe also thinking about more of a psychological uh, approach to that transition, because perimenopause is a bit like a transition through puberty. It is a process that changes us biochemically, physiologically. I think there are studies that show that it actually changes your brain. So when you realize that this is a transition to a new phase in your life, maybe you are a little bit more accepting of the changes that are happening and maybe think about 
how you want to be when you emerge out of the other side. So I love the the Japanese apparently call the the transition to menopause second spring. Oh, so cool. first spring being being puberty. So we wouldn't go through puberty and expect to be the same as we were pre-puberty. Similarly, you wouldn't expect to go through menopause and expect to be the same person that you were pre-menopause. So true, isn't it? Something that I actually really thought about. It's so interesting because right average age, 50, 51, and we just want to carry on. We want to carry on how we used to be and we just want to get on with it rather than approaching it in a quite sort of like a beautiful spiritual way. And I love that. It's just recognizing that we are transitioning. It is something different rather than just getting on with it putting a little tick box right next to it. So what are you seeing in terms of, you mentioned how women are presenting. What's your approach? You mentioned about lifestyle. How do women feel about that? Because I know you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. The first thing they go to is, do I need HRT? Do I need hormone replacement therapy? I just need a quick fix. Yeah, but talking to these women, so many, like us all, we're juggling so many things, spinning so many plates. You know, my analogy is you're driving your car with your foot flat to the floor on the accelerator down the fast lane and never pulling in at the services. You're expecting your car to just keep on going without any servicing or any refueling or just stopping to let the engine cool down. You know, we are driven by our own expectations, other people's expectations, society's expectations to achieve more and more and more and more and to just cope with whatever life throws at us. And maybe menopause is a time to pause and reflect and maybe stop doing some things that no longer serve you or get rid of some things that no longer serve you, whether that's things or relationships or jobs. I think they refer to it as a midlife crisis, don't they? But actually, maybe it's just that chance to pause and reflect and reinvent yourself. Who do you want to be post-menopause? I love that. What kind of lifestyle changes have really helped women through the transition? I think it's really tuning into self-care and learning to be a little bit more intuitive about what your body needs. For example, I was talking to a lady yesterday in my menopause clinic, and she was saying how uh, we were talking about exercise. And she was saying, well, I do yoga and I absolutely love yoga. And then I do a spin class. But, oh, I hate it. I really, really hate it. And actually, we'd done an, an adrenal stress test, which showed that her adrenals were fatigued. So when I explained that actually by doing that spin class, that HIIT training, you're mimicking running away from something very fast, which is driving your adrenals even more. So when we reflected, actually, that was a message from her body. That spin class actually was not good for her. And it's like, oh, thank goodness for that. I'll do more walking. I'll maybe go for a swim. I'll do more of the yoga, more of the things that my body tells me is right. It's so true. I, I- I bet that was music to her ears, Elsa. Yeah, <laughs> she absolutely. didn't have to do the spin class. And I'm curious, what drove her to the, do the spin class? Was it, I need to lose weight? I something that I have to do, I have to do cardio. What was her motivator for that? I think partly weight, yeah. And partly because, you know, we're all told to age well, we need to exercise regularly. Right. So I guess it's just variety. And I think she's always done classes at the gym. It's so interesting you say that because I actually see women 
who are in the stress response and you're absolutely right cardiac hard cardio or high impact cardio literally mimics the stress response so when you're in chronic stress it's actually not the great time to do more cardio and hence why women aren't losing weight or they're still you know their thyroid is affected or their gut is affected so it's something to be really aware of not only during the time of menopause but at any other time if you're in chronic stress exercise is not ideal so exercise is definitely a factor how can exercise help women through menopause be it gentle yoga or gentle walking I think there are a number of factors that come into play. So you want to maybe look at the more restorative, gentler exercise so that you're not driving your adrenals hard. Look at maybe some strength training, so light weights or resistance bands, or of course, yoga and Pilates are body weight exercises. So they tick both boxes, really. And finding something that you enjoy. And so whether that's something that you do on your own or something that you do as part of a group or tag along with a friend awesome any other lifestyle changes that you've noticed women have really benefited from i think basic sleep hygiene again a number of things that help with sleep so circadian rhythms getting that morning light exposure dimming the lights in the evening a big one is coming off the devices late at night i always say think about how you would have prepared your kids for bed you know, you'd have had a wind down routine. They might have had a, a cup of warm milk and a warm bath. You'd have curled up with a blanket and a story. So you'd have done something that was nice and calming. You'd probably dim the lights so it's less stimulating. You know, they're far, lot, far more likely to settle to bed. So why should we be any different? Why are we watching exciting Netflix series, having having Super a question on the phone, scrolling on, on social media coming or scrolling on your news feed. It's quite it can be quite triggering. Having an argument with your partner or absolutely so do something more relaxing before you go to bed. And moving on to one as well. Caffeine caffeine and alcohol is huge because that affects the the hormonal balance. I mean everybody knows people know that caffeine is a stimulant and Certainly, um, a lot of people find if they have it too close to bedtime that it affects their ability to sleep. But more and more women are saying, I don't tolerate caffeine anymore, or I don't tolerate alcohol anymore. It makes my hot flushes worse. So, you mentioned about caffeine and alcohol. What have you noticed in women? Any stories about actually noticing that their alcohol intake has increased and they've noticed that it has an impact on? Uh, health as well during this time? I think it, I'm more fine that women are saying, I find that I sleep better when I don't drink alcohol because otherwise it tends to drop their blood sugar and they're waking in the early hours with a low blood sugar. Wow. Wow. And, and also their hot flushes are better when they don't drink. Right. Right. Moving on to nutrition. Is there anything in nutrition that you've noticed that can really help women during this time? Yeah. So blood sugar balance is a big one. So that is tied in quite closely with the adrenals as well. So definitely managing blood sugars so that you're evening out the peaks and troughs, you're having a more level blood sugar, which is less inflammatory and uh, less stimulating for your adrenals. And also if you're tending to get a low blood sugar in the night, that's another factor that can wake you up. So people who are maybe snacking on processed carbs in the evening they may find that actually they're waking up with a low blood sugar which 
releases adrenaline and cortisol to mobilize the blood sugar from stores to bring your blood sugar level back up. So you tend to wake up feeling very alert because of the adrenaline. Wow. Thank you, Elsa. So I'd love to know about the program that you're involved in, and it's called Moving Through Menopause, which I was really excited to hear, and it involved a group of women going through menopause, and it involved climbing. So please tell us more. Yeah. So climbing has been a passion for me since it must be 10 or 12 years since a climbing gym opened down the road. My kids used to go and climb there. And I was contacted by their charitable arm, so they're called Rocked Foundation. And they'd received some funding from Sport England to run a program through 2023. So we've uh, six cohorts this year. It's a 10-week program. So the ladies come and they learn to climb. So the vast majority of the ladies have never, never climbed before. They have six weeks of climbing. So it's both bouldering and rope climbing. Uh, They have two educational sessions with me. So the first is around... Uh, what I call the dance of the hormones, so the how the hormones all interact with each other so they understand a little bit. We talk about the, the functional medicine model, the modifiable lifestyle factors. And the ladies also have a chance to tell us why they've come along to the program and the things that they're struggling with. And I find that is, that is so powerful to share in a, you know, like a sister circle. And then they have a nutrition session and a Pilates and breathwork session. Fantastic. And what did you find? What was their journey like by the end of it? I think the biggest thing I've noticed is a growth in confidence because these women are maybe challenging a fear that they have of heights and maybe they're low in confidence because of their fatigue and brain fog. They don't feel that they're functioning particularly well at work. They're with a a group of other ladies all going through the same thing. They're all supporting each other. They're sharing their experiences. They're cheering each other on. And by the end, it's like, yay, I got to the top of the 21 meter wall. Wow. You know, 21 <laughs> meters is really, really high. And when you look down from the top, it's quite scary. And you've got to really trust the person who's belaying you on the other end. That's incredible. And what did you notice at the end? Did they want to stay in touch? Do they sort of carry on meeting do they carry on climbing well there is an opportunity for them to carry on climbing for another six weeks and there are other climbing walls in the area that they can access and a lot of them have stayed in touch through a they they formed their own whatsapp groups and stayed in touch amazing amazing but i love to touch on also the sacred change festival now that's something quite new to me i haven't really heard of it so can you tell us more how did you feel after that yeah, so last year I was asked as a as a conventional doctor, maybe with a bit more of an open mind, to be a facilitator at the Sacred Change Festival. So this was a two-day festival in a, a little place at the Calder Valley called Hebden Bridge. And it was to be a holistic approach to the menopause. So it involved people from all sorts of alternative therapies and disciplines all coming together to celebrate the change of life and not to feel like it's a negative thing but to really put some positivity into it and so there were all sorts of workshops and sisters sharing circles and people were reciting poetry there were elders from the community came along to speak we had drumming and dancing and singing and qigong meditation yoga 
crochet, stitching, art therapy, drama therapy. And then there were some alternative therapists that were giving taster sessions. There was a mindful barefoot walk. Oh, wow. And fabulous, healthy food. And, you know, the energy of these women coming together was incredible. And I felt like I changed for the better after that. And I think it, it, it led me to maybe want to be a little bit more intuitive, a little bit more spiritual after that. Because I think when you're in conventional medicine, you're very, your thinking's very concrete, isn't it? You're very bound by regulations and guidelines and yeah but I think this opened things up for me fantastic and I'm doing it again this year I can't wait (laughs) brilliant what was your take-home message from that festival in terms of women going through that transition I think share your experiences yeah don't you don't have to go through it on your own and the power of being in a group being in women's circles it's so powerful Absolutely. Before we let you go, Ailsa, and thank you so much for your time today. What would you say your take-home message for our listeners today if someone is going through menopause and is suffering from those symptoms that we described earlier? Find somebody with some expertise in treating the menopause and talk to them. Brilliant. Listen to podcasts, read books, educate yourself. So it's one thing that I do with the ladies on the programme is we talk through some individual problems and maybe give them some ideas of how they can speak to their primary care provider to not necessarily get what they want, but (laughs) it might save their doctor a little bit of time. Absolutely. And I think what you've highlighted today is the impact of lifestyle, nutrition, the impact of that social connection is huge and how it's almost like we need to recognize it's a sacred transition. It's really, really important to even recognize that rather than just getting on with it, getting back to work and how important that is for our mental and physical health. Thank you so much, Ailsa, for today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.